Brother Carl is a, a man that has had to endure some things in this past year, year and a half, but he is a man that we have watched grow through it, amen? And it has been an honor to watch, that's right, Brother Carl, it's been an honor to watch Brother Carl grow and watch the Lord work miraculously in Brother Carl's life. Amen. We're thankful for Brother Carl today. Just let me just brag on him just there for a minute. Let me brag on Jesus there just for a minute. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Numbers. If you're coming in late, please do so quietly um, as to not interrupt the service. Uh, you can set it over there, Brother Carl. That's fine. Numbers chapter 14. And we will be reading from verses 1 to 4. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. If you did not bring your Bibles this morning, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Amen. Numbers chapter 14, starting at verse 1. The Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept, that night. And all the children of Israel murmured, everybody say murmured. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Amen. I want to go back to verse 2 and verse 3 here very quickly. I want to revisit those verses. The children of Israel, they were saying this. In light of what was going on, it says, And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation, so everybody that was with them, said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land? To fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Now, let's get this part right here. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, what the Lord has laid upon my heart for this service. I want to talk to you today on this topic. When you make the blessing, the curse. When you make the blessing, the curse. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that for over 400 years, the children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt. The Bible says that after the death of Joseph, that there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. There arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph's God. And this Pharaoh took notice that the Hebrew children had multiplied so greatly in the land that they were now outnumbering the people of Egypt. So the Pharaoh began to see the children of Israel as a threat to his power and to his kingdom. And so he sent out a commandment to his taskmasters that they were to work the children of Israel with a greater burden, with more vigor than they had ever worked them before. And by overworking them, they would, they would be weakened. And so the children of Israel wouldn't attempt a coup. They wouldn't attempt to overtake him or his kingdom. And the Bible says that God raises up a man named Moses. And he calls to Moses one day out of a burning bush in the plains of Mount Horeb. And through the bush he speaks to Moses and he says in Exodus chapter 3 verses 7 through 9, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. 
And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, and unto a large land, flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. And then the Lord speaks to Moses out of the bush, and He says, Moses, you're the man that I'm going to send to do that. The Bible says that Moses and God, they go into a little back and forth, and Moses tries to convince God that he has the wrong guy. But let me tell somebody that when God calls you to do something, God always knows exactly what He's doing. And so after a little bit of back and forth, Moses decides that it's probably best that he obeys this voice coming out of the bush. And he decides that he's going to obey the Lord. Fast forwarding a little bit, the Bible says after that, God brings ten plagues into Egypt. The tenth being the worst of all. The tenth plague was the angel of death that swept through the land of Egypt, killing all of the firstborn man and all of the firstborn animal in Pharaoh's kingdom. And it was the last straw. And the Bible says that after that, Pharaoh reluctantly allows Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. And he did this to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham when he said, Abraham, I will give you a great land. And he said to Abraham, I will multiply your seed. Now, mind you, he spoke this to Abraham when Abraham had no children. Abraham was 75 years old. But he said, Abraham, I will multiply your seed or your descendants beyond number. Amen. I wonder how many here this morning understands that God always fulfills His promises. Amen. Can I get a witness this morning of some people that believe that God always fulfills His promises? Amen. But let me ask you also this morning, how many understand today that sometimes you and I can derail God's promises for our lives? Amen. And so there was a land of promise or what we call the promised land, and God was finally going to bring His people into that land that He promised Abraham through Moses. Amen. And you see, when God called Abraham out of Ur, He called him by a voice. And Abraham didn't know which way he was going to go. God simply said, Abram, I want you to start walking. I want you to start going in the direction that I want you to go. And Abraham said, I don't know which way to go. And God said, you just follow my voice. Amen. But God led him by voice in every direction that he would go. I want to tell somebody this morning that God is never going to lead you into a wilderness and then let you walk alone. Amen. God is never going to lead you into a dry place. He's never going to lead you into a wilderness. And you say, Pastor, would God lead me into a wilderness? The Bible says that it was the Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days. Yes, sometimes God leads us into wildernesses. But I want to encourage somebody here today. God will never bring you into a wilderness and then turn around and walk back and let you walk through it by yourself. And God will never make a promise to you and then fail to direct you until He sees the promise fulfilled. Amen. God will never make a promise to you and then tell you you've got to figure out how to do it on your own. That's the way that the Lord works. And just like Abraham was led by the voice of God, God gave Moses directions and He said, Moses, now, the cloud and the fire actually happened uh, shortly after they left Egypt. But he says to Moses in the desert, he said, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. And he said, this tabernacle, this is going to be the place where I'm going to come and meet with you. 
This is going to be the place where you will come and sacrifice. This is going to be the place where my presence will come down and dwell among my people. And the Bible tells us that by day, that there was a supernatural cloud that covered the entire camp of Israel. And through that cloud, God gave the camp of Israel shade by day. And the Bible says that at nighttime, that there was a pillar of fire, amen, that gave light to the camp of Israel and gave warmth to the, to the camp of Israel. Amen. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that understands that God will always provide for His people. That cloud and that pillar of fire represented the presence of God. The Bible says that Israel would set up camp in the wilderness and they would stay there until the cloud began to move. And the Bible says that when the cloud would lift from off the camp of Israel and the cloud would begin to move, that Israel would pull up stakes and Israel would pack up camp and they followed the cloud wherever it went. And even at nighttime, if the pillar of fire began to move, they did the same. They would pull up stakes and they would pull up their camp and, and they would begin to follow the pillar of fire. Please remember this morning, as I said before, God will never make a promise that God Himself does not have the power to fulfill. And so as we read through this story, we find that God provided shade, God provided light, God provided warmth. And God provided direction. Amen. To the children of Israel, He became known as Jehovah Jireh, or my God who will provide. I wonder if there's anybody in this house today that knows Him as that same God. I wonder if there's anybody here today that knows Him as Jehovah Jireh. My God who will provide. I wonder if there's anybody here today that you didn't know where the money was going to come from and the bill got paid anyway. Amen. You didn't know how the door was going to be opened and the door got opened anyway. You didn't know how the blessing was going to get there and the blessing came anyway. I wonder if there's anybody that knows Him as Jehovah Jireh or my God who will always provide. Let's clap our hands to the Lord if you believe that this morning. The Bible goes on to tell us that it was through Abraham that all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. And he said that this promise would start with Abraham's descendants, or what we would come to know as the children of Israel. Amen. I want us to understand today that salvation was for the Jews first. Amen. Amen. The gospel was for the Jews first. When Jesus came to earth, when Jesus was born of a woman, amen, He came to offer, He came to rescue out of the house of Israel first, amen. And so salvation was for the Jews in the beginning. But the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 1 verses 11 through 13, it says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus came unto His own, meaning the Jews, and His own received Him not. But watch this. He says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on what? That believe on His name. Amen. Those which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus came for the children of Israel. He came for the Jews to offer them salvation. But the Bible says that when He came to the Jews, they did not receive Him. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you and I are sitting in this church today. Because when He came to His own, His own did not receive Him. And so He went off and He offered this to everyone. Now ultimately that was the plan of God. But because the Jews did not receive Him, the Gentiles heard the Gospel. And the Samaritans heard the Gospel. And this Gospel message became for whosoever will. Amen. Thank God for the grace of God today that you and I sit here today. Thank God for the mercy of God today that we could be in church today. Thank God that we've heard the preaching of the Word. We've heard the Gospel. Thank God for those of us that have taken on His name in baptism. Amen. And every vessel that has been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's through the example 
of the faith of Abraham and the rejection of the Jews that we have what we have today. But I would warn you this morning not to get too proud or not to become too confident because we're about to find out that both you and I often have a lot in common with the children of Israel. Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody here today that knows or has known somebody that the number one mistake that you could make with them is to simply ask them this question. How's it going? How you doing? Is there anybody here that's ever known somebody like that? <laughs> because by asking that one very simple question, you know that you're going to open the floodgate to hear about every negative thing that's going on in their lives. They are about to run you down their medical chart. They're about to tell you every headache they've had in the past month, every ache and pain in their back. They're going to tell you about every allergy symptom. They're going to tell you about every test that they just got ran at the doctor, and many of which you don't really want to know about. They're going to tell you about every negative interaction that they had with somebody. And they're going to tell you about every boneheaded thing their kids are doing. And the list will just go on and on and on and on. And by the time those people are done, you start to feel a little ache in your back and you're looking for a cliff to go jump off of somewhere. Anybody ever known anybody like that? I've known people in my life, I made the mistake a couple of times of saying, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And by the time they were done, I was depressed. And so I learned. I learned not to ask those questions of some people. There are some people, even in the church, there are some people, I would just kind of walk past their pew and say, hey, brother, hey, hey, nice to see you today. I wasn't going to ask any questions. And that's because people like that are draining who would agree with that today? People like that, they will drain you. Because there's just some people that always have something to complain about, and that is draining. There are some people I have met that it makes me wonder, does anything good ever happen to them? Now, it would be silly for me to believe that nothing good ever happens to them. And so the short answer to that question is yes. But brothers and sisters, there are some people that just seem to be happy being unhappy. Amen? There are some people that just seem to be happy when everything is going wrong. There are some people that will find a dark cloud in every blessing, and if there isn't something there, rest assured they'll make something up. There are some people that will look at little victories and they'll refuse to rejoice over them because the victory wasn't as big as they thought it should be. Let me tell somebody this morning, you ought to rejoice over every little victory. Amen. If you've been praying about something, if you've been praying about deliverance in somebody's life and that full deliverance hasn't come, but maybe they came to church and maybe they shed a tear... Oh, don't you get in God's face and say, God, I would have danced and I would have rejoiced if they'd have been refilled with the Holy Ghost because you don't know what God's doing. You don't know how God is arranging the pieces. That teardrop running down their eye could have been the first step to their restoration just because they didn't pray back through or get up in the altar and dance. We don't know what God's doing. And so you know what? We ought to just take every little victory and treat it like there was a major breakthrough. Amen. Because God knows what He's doing. So we ought to just go ahead and give Him glory for every victory no matter how small or how big we think it is. Amen. Because the bottom line is only God knows how every piece fits. And so we might as well just give Jesus the glory over everything. Amen. I believe that today. I believe in celebrating what I think is small victories. Because Sister Sharon, I don't know if it's small or not. 
just because it seems that way to me. But the Bible says, God said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are high and above your thoughts. I don't know. And so if I see a teardrop, I'm just going to celebrate like God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible tells us in Psalm 35, 27, that God delights. Get this. God delights in blessing his people. He takes delight in it. It's not a burden. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. God delights in blessing his people. But the Bible also says that it's not only frustrating to God, but it can actually kindle the anger of God. When regardless of the blessing, all we want to do is be like those people you don't ask that question to. All we want to do is be those people that have everything to complain about. People ask me at work, you know, it's just kind of a common thing when you pass somebody in the aisle and you're walking through the plant and they say, hey, how's it going or how's it, how you doing? And I say, I'm doing good, man. Got nothing to complain about. Now, that, that is sort of just a random cliche thing, but here's what I have found out about complaining is when I complain, it does not change the outcome of my situation. It does not really make me feel any better. Matter of fact, when I spend time complaining, not only does it not change the outcome of my circumstance, but I usually feel worse on the other end of the complaint. And so I do my best just not to complain. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, we can become like the children of Israel, and it doesn't matter how many blessings and how good God is to us, sometimes the only thing that we want to do is complain because the blessing isn't what we thought it should be. The Bible tells us, well, let me ask you this question. Is there anybody here today that could say that there's nothing good in your life? Now, one hand. The book of James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says that every good gift in your life comes from God. Every good gift, he says, and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Amen. If you've got anything good in your life, it's because God gave it to you. Satan can't give you anything good. Satan may give you something that appears to be good, but there's always an ulterior motive with hell. Satan may give you a girlfriend. Satan may give you a friend. Satan may give you a co-worker or an influence, and you think these people are the bee's knees, man. But there's always an ulterior motive for hell because it always wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But every good thing that you have in your life, the Bible says, comes from God. And so you can get up. If you, have a, if you have a hard time, brothers and sisters, when you go into prayer, if you have a hard time thinking of things to thank God about, man, that's a rough spot to be in. We're here this morning because God woke us up. You woke up this morning because God willed it. You're breathing right now. Because God said so. Every good thing in your life comes from God. And yet sometimes you and I, we get that same murmuring spirit on us that Israel had in the wilderness. We get that same spirit and we don't rejoice in the blessings and the goodness of God. Instead, please hear me this morning, we look to make the blessing a curse. Because instead of being thankful for what God has given us, the only thing we focus on is the negative. The only thing we focus on is what we don't have. The only thing we focus on is how God blessed me, but it ain't the way I wanted to be blessed. You know what? Sometimes we act like spoiled kids when it comes to God. Amen? We do. If it isn't exactly the way I wanted it, well, I guess God don't love me. I played the lottery. 
God didn't let me win. If he did, you better pay tithes on it. Maybe that's because God knew when you got rich, you'd backslide. And so he'd rather have you poor and saved than rich and lost. In Exodus chapter 14, the Bible says that Moses had led the children of Israel out of bondage. He had led them out of the land of Goshen where they had been slaves to Egypt. The Bible says they had traveled some 200 miles to the edge of the Red Sea by, on land by foot. That was probably a little less than a 20-day journey. The Bible says after eight days of setting up camp there at the edge of the Red Sea, they begin to hear a thunder in the distance. And they saw in the distance a cloud that was being kicked up by the armies of Pharaoh. And so they were in quite a predicament. They were looking before them and all they could see was the Red Sea and not one man had a boat. And behind them there was the most powerful army raging through the wilderness coming back to take them back into captivity. And in Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says that they begin to murmur. It says, They said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than, we should, than that we should die in the wilderness. They had the sea before them, Egypt behind them, and yet these were the same people, get this, these were the same people that had just seen God bring ten plagues upon Egypt, and yet the land of Goshen was spared from each of them. Each one of those plagues the entire land of Egypt, but not one Jew was touched by the lice, by the frogs, by the river of blood, by the locusts, nor by the death angel. They had just watched God do miraculous things. And now they're in a tough spot. And you know what sometimes people do in a tough spot? They start looking back. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard anybody use the term, Sister Sharon, you remember the bad old days? You ain't ever heard anybody say, let's reminisce about the bad old days. Because it doesn't exist. Because when we look back, we tend to romanticize and emphasize things in our life as being better than what they actually were. The good old days. And so here's Israel. God had just did a miraculous thing in the land of Egypt, delivered them out of 400 years of bondage, and now they find themselves in a tough spot. And all of a sudden, less than 30 days removed out of captivity, they're all murmuring against Moses saying, does anybody remember the good old days back in Egypt? Anybody remember that? Remember how, remember how hard they worked us? Remember how they beat us with straps and made us work harder? Anybody remember them good old days? Because that's not where we are, Moses. And Moses' answer to them that day was this. He said, be quiet. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the Bible says that when Moses stretched forth his hand, that there was a wind that blew and that great sea before them parted. And all of the children of Israel crossed on dry land. Let me tell somebody this morning, when you find yourself in a tough spot and you can't imagine any way out of your situation, there may come a time that you just need to stop wiggling. You just need to stand still. You need to choose to believe. You need to do like Moses did and just lift your hands before the Lord and surrender your circumstance to Him and trust that God knows how to get you through it. God knew exactly what He was going to do to the sea that day. 
When God brought them to the edge of the Red Sea, He already knew they were going to cross on dry land. Brothers and sisters, sometimes God will bring you to a circumstance so that He can remind you that He is God. So that He can remind you that His power has not diminished. Sometimes God will bring you to the edge of a Red Sea circumstance so that you'll trust in Him enough for Him to part it so that He can add to your faith. So God was merciful to them in their murmuring. Here they were complaining, trying to remember how good it was in Egypt. How good it was in bondage. Let me tell you something. I spent a lot of years in the bottom of a bottle. But I don't ever get together. If I don't ever run into people at Walmart that I haven't seen in 30 years and reminisce with them and say, hey, do you remember how much fun it was to get drunk? I don't do that. Because God brought me out of that Egypt. Amen. Everybody here can think of an Egypt that God has brought you out of. Amen. Don't look back. And so God was merciful to them in their murmuring, but they weren't done. In Exodus chapter 16, they murmured again against Moses because they were running out of food. This was the God that just parted the sea, brought ten plagues on Egypt, none of which touched Israel. And they began to whine and moan and complain to Moses because they had no food. And so again, they start looking backwards. The Bible says in chapter 16 and verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with anger. And so they begin to murmur, begin to complain. Hunger. Did I say anger? I meant hunger. And God tells Moses, He said, Go and tell them that I'm going to cause uh, bread to rain from heaven. Tell them that they're going to have that bread in the morning and I'm going to bring quail at night. Why? Because God said, I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. God hears murmuring just like He hears praise. And so Moses proceeds to tell them after he gives them the announcement about the manna and the quail, he proceeds to tell them, you need to be mindful, children of Israel. Because you're not murmuring against us. You're murmuring against God. Brothers and sisters, we would do well to remember that when we feel like complaining in the middle of our blessings, when we feel like complaining and murmuring in the midst of everything that God has done for us, we're not murmuring against our luck. Please hear me today. When you walk with God, there is no such thing as luck. So if you find yourself in the middle of a blessing, in the middle of a deliverance, and you begin to murmur, you're not murmuring against luck, you're murmuring against the Lord. And yet we find again in this example that God was merciful to them in their murmuring. Brothers and sisters, the Bible records five times from their deliverance out of Egypt that they murmured and complained against God. And it was after the fifth time that the Bible says God had finally heard enough. In Exodus chapter 32, the Bible says that Moses had been up on the mountain approaching 40 days. And so Israel came to Aaron and they demanded Aaron, make us gods that we can worship because they didn't know what had happened to Moses. I'll tell you what was going on. Moses was up on Mount Sinai. Moses was receiving word from the Lord on the commandments that he was going to deliver to Israel. He was receiving instruction from the Lord on how to build the tabernacle where the presence of God was going to come and dwell amongst Israel. 
He was receiving word from God that would be the law that would bring Israel into covenant with God. And so God had Moses on the mountain with the intention of blessing the children of Israel with the intention of giving them the law to bring them into covenant so that He could be their God and they would be His people. Moses was on the mountain as God was preparing to bless the children of Israel. But be, hear me this morning. Because the blessing wasn't coming quick enough, because the Word didn't come down from the mountain fast enough, the people said to Aaron, make us a God that we can worship. And so Aaron goes and he makes them a golden calf. And they worshipped it. You see, God was looking to bless His people. God was looking to bring them into covenant. But their murmuring and their complaining and their never being content was about to make the blessing a curse. Because in that same chapter, verses 9 and 10, God tells Moses, He says, Moses, these are a stubborn people. He said they're never satisfied. And God had finally come, come far enough that He was done. He said, that's enough. He said, Moses, I want you to move out of the way because I'm about to move through the camp of Israel and I'm going to kill every one of them. I'm going to kill every one of them and I'm going to start over with you, Moses. God had heard enough. And the Bible tells us that this was the first time that Moses interceded on behalf of Israel. Moses goes before God and he begins to plead with God to have mercy and to spare his people. Brothers and sisters, please hear me this morning. When God has provided you a place to live and you complain that it's not the place that you want, when God has provided your food, but you complain because you don't get enough steak. When God has provided your transportation, but you whine about wanting a new car. When God opens doors for you to do a work for Him, just like you prayed about, and then you complain because it takes too much of your time. When God wakes you up in the morning and puts breath in your body and yet you complain and murmur because you're not as strong and healthy as you once were. When God pours out His goodness and His blessings in your life and yet you always can find something negative and something to complain about and murmur every time. Please hear me today. Be careful lest you take the blessing and make it into a curse. And they weren't done there. In the book of Numbers chapter 11, they murmured again about not having enough food. Or not, not, not about having enough food, but because the food they have wasn't what they wanted. God was providing food for them. But they began to murmur. <laughs> Anybody ever have any kids and Maybe the budget was a little low that week, and the kids sit down at the table and went, hot dogs again? Gosh. And then you go ahead and you tell the story. Well, when I was a kid, we ate what was on the table, and we sat down and we went hungry. Is there anybody that's got that witness? There wasn't any such thing in my house of, well, we're going to fix this for Bill, and we're going to fix this for Deanna, because they don't like this. My mom was like, this is what's on the table. You're going to eat it. You're going to go to bed hungry. That's simple. But here the children of Israel, God was providing food for them every single day, and they begin to murmur, oh, I, uh, we have this food, but it's just, it, we're just tired of this food, Moses. The Bible says at this point, remember what we said a little bit ago, being around people like that will drain you. Being around people like that will make you start feeling aches and pains. Being around people like that will depress you. And it was at this point the Bible says that the complaining was so bad and it had taken its toll on Moses that Moses literally prays and he asks God to take him. Lord, take me out of this. I can't take these people anymore. But the Bible says that instead, God sends a plague 
through the camp. The Bible says while the flesh, because he had sent them some quail again. And the Bible says that while the flesh was still in their teeth, that God sent a plague through the camp and killed many of those that were murmuring. I don't know about you, but at this point, I would probably check myself before I wreck myself. But they weren't done. In Numbers chapter 12, Moses' sister Miriam complains about Moses' leadership and God strikes her with leprosy. In Numbers 14, God tells Moses to send 12 spies into the land of Canaan. You see, after all of that wondering, they had finally arrived at the border of the promised land. They had finally arrived at the border of that land that God had told Abraham, this is the land of your inheritance. This is the land that I'm going to give to to your people. They were finally there. And God tells Moses, send 12 spies into the land to spy it out. So the Bible says that the spies return and they give the report to the congregation of Israel and they confirm what God said. They said, yes, this is a great land. This is, in fact, a land that is fertile. This is a land that flows with milk and honey. This is a land that has plenty of room and plenty of resources for us, but... Sometimes, brothers and sisters, a but will get right in the middle of your blessing. They said it's everything God said it was going to be, but the people that dwell in the land are too great for us. We'll never be able to overcome them. Ten plagues. You walked across an ocean with walls of water on each side of you on on dry ground. God provides bread for you every morning. He sends quails out of nowhere. God's delivered you from the hand of everybody that wanted to attack you in the wilderness and not one of you was a soldier. God provided a cloud. He provided a pillar of fire. He did all of these things. And yet you come back and you say, He's not big enough to overcome the people in the land. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you need to remember the things that God has done for you. And let that be the foundation for your faith to produce the next miracle. And so they come back and they say the people are too great. We'll never overcome them. And then here's the response of the congregation. Numbers 14, 2 and 3. You know what they did? If you said murmured, you're right. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land? To fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to stay in Egypt? But this time, brothers and sisters, their murmuring and their complaining would cost them dearly. Because in verses 11 and 12, God asked Moses, He said, how long will this people provoke me? Please understand this morning, when you constantly complain about your life, when you constantly complain about your circumstances, when you complain that things aren't how you want them, you're bringing a provocation against God. There's a reason the Apostle Paul said that godliness with contentment is great gain. There's a reason the Apostle Paul said after everything Paul went through, and what Paul went through, none of us, okay, can really hold a candle to the things that Paul endured. But Paul said that I have learned to be content with wherever I am and whatever I have. But God asked Moses, he says, why do these people insist on provoking me? And he told Moses again, he said, I'm going to bring a pestilence or a plague or a pandemic. And he said, and this time I'm going to disinherit them. They're not going to be my people anymore. 
And the Bible says that Moses fell on his face before God and he prayed for mercy. And because Moses prayed, there was mercy given. But the consequences of that murmuring were dire this time. Brothers and sisters, hear me today. If you repent of your sins, God will always forgive you. But if you continue to go and commit the same sin over and over, yes, God will forgive you every time. But God will not remove the consequences that that sin may produce in your life. God will not relieve you of the consequences because it could be the consequences that teaches you to stay away from it. So in Numbers 14, verses 22 and 23, and I'm almost done here today. The Lord says this to Moses. Now, now this is going to fall back on things I've been saying here. All of the... If you want to look back, look at the things that God has done for Israel already. But here's what God says. He says, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, ten times, they murmured against God while God was working. And he said, they haven't hearkened to my voice. Verse 23 he said, here's, here's the judgment. Surely they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. How do you suppose they felt? They had been wandering in the wilderness, being led by the cloud and by the fire. And there was this promise that they had been raised to believe. They had heard about Father Abraham. They had heard about the land of milk and honey. They had heard about this land that God was going to bring them into. And now they were right there on the edge of it. But their murmuring derailed the promise. And God said, because you will not believe me, and because you murmur against me, I know you're right on the border of the land, but you're not going in it. As a matter of fact, there were some people that didn't listen, and they said, we're going to go in anyway. And when they went in, the Bible says God was not with them, and the inhabitants of that land wiped them out. Surely they shall not see the land. Skipping down to verse 27. God says to Moses, He said, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, only Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua, they were going to be allowed to go in. Matter of fact, it was going to be Joshua that was going to lead them in there. But it was because the Bible said that Caleb and Joshua had another spirit. Amen. They came back and they gave the evil report of the Lamb, but Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, Look, God has delivered us through everything we've been through. God has been faithful. God has provided for us. God will go before us. And God will give us this land. Let's go take it. And everybody else said, Well, I don't think so. I really, those people sound mean. God told him, according to the number of days that you were in the land to spy it out, which was 40. He said, a num according to the number of those days, he said, that's how many years you're going to wander in the wilderness before my promise to Abraham will be fulfilled. You went in to spy the land out for 40 days, but for the next 40 years, you will wander in the wilderness, and I will not let you into the land of Israel. Why? Because I gave you a promise, and I'm going to fulfill the promise, but because you kept complaining in the middle of every blessing, and because you kept murmuring that things weren't the way that you wanted them to go. You will not go into the land. 
Brothers and sisters, when you make the blessing a curse, then the blessing can cease to exist and all you're left with is the curse. Even in you, maybe you say, well, well, pastor, I got a promise from God. But hear me this morning. Even if you have a promise from God, your murmuring and complaining and lack of thankfulness can derail that promise sometimes for decades. And only God knows what kind of hell He's going to have to take you through. What kind of low points and valleys and wildernesses He's going to have to take you through to get you to the point to where He can fulfill that promise in you. Brothers and sisters, I would rather God not have to take me through that. I would rather not have to go through any more wildernesses than God has to take me through. Amen. But I've seen the power of God. I've seen God heal bodies. I've seen God deliver addictions. I've seen God do things that have doctors shaking their heads. Amen. And so when God gives me a promise, amen, I've got to learn not to see my circumstances but learn that those things that I have committed to Him, amen, that He is well able to do exceeding and above everything that I can ask Him to do. Well, Pastor, you don't understand sometimes that's hard. No, I understand sometimes faith is a struggle. But if God has done it before, He'll do it again. If you've seen God do the miraculous before, He can do it again. If God ever healed your body, He can heal you now. If God ever delivered your children, He can do it now. If God's ever done anything for you, He can do it again. And so instead of looking back at how good Egypt was, you need to look back and say, yes, I know what the doctor said, but God did it once and I believe He'll do it again. But the children of Israel were a people of promise. Just like you and me here today. But they're thankless attitude and their lack of gratitude towards God turned the blessings of God into a curse. I'm closing this morning. I firmly believe and I instituted this into my time of prayer every morning many years ago. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 100 and verse 4, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Brothers and sisters, if you've ever heard me teach on prayer here on Tuesday nights, you know that if you want to get through the gates, there's your instructions. You want to get God's attention, open your prayer time with thanksgiving because thanksgiving is how you get through the gates. Enter in through His gates with thanksgiving and then you will dwell in the courts of God with your praise. If we ever take our prayer time and our prayer time is just a laundry list of things we want God to do, I promise you, you're not going to get His attention all too often. But if we get up in the morning Now, I realize that there's some folks here that have a few years on me. But at 47 years old, in everything I have put this body through over the years, I chuckle these days. Because if I'm sitting on the love seat or the couch or in a chair long enough, I promise you, every time I stand up, there's going to be at least four things that crack. I'm going to hear at least four things that crack. And I used to get up and just be like, ugh. But now I just kind of get up and chuckle. Because there ain't anything I can do about it anyway. But what if when we woke up in the mornings and our bodies are a little sore, the back's a little stiff, the neck's a little stiff, the years are catching up with us, what if 
Instead of getting up and complaining about the way that we feel, what if we just wake up and when we open our eyes, we say, thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for another breath that you've put in my body. Thank you, Lord, for another day to walk with you and to serve you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What about when it rains and we got that little spot over in the kitchen or there's a leak in the roof somewhere? We have to put the buck out. What if instead of complaining about the fact that the bucket has to catch the rain, we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that I've got a roof over my head. And boys, when mama has figured out the 43rd way on how to cook a hot dog so it's not the same way as the other 42, instead of saying, hot dogs again, what if we just said, thank you, Lord Jesus, that I have food to eat? Thank you, Lord, that you've provided for me. And when we walk out into the parking lot, there's not one Porsche, there's not one Lamborghini, there's not one Corvette, there's not even a newer Camaro. But what if if we walked out there and we said, thank you, Lord, Thank you, Jesus, that I have a way to get from point A to point B. God, you have provided transportation for me. You see, we all have things and blessings that we can be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Jesus, for my marriage. Thank you for my children. Do my kids do everything I want them to do? No. But thank you, Lord God, for your covering. Hey, you listen to me. I'm standing in this pulpit as your pastor right now because I had a grandmother and a mom that would not give up on me and kept praying for me and took my picture to the altar every service and laid me on that altar when I was entangled in alcoholism and drug use. Son works third shift. He may not be where I want him to be, but thank you, Lord, for getting him home safely today. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another day to pray. Because as long as I have a day to pray, amen, mountains can be moved. <laughs> when you look around your house, let's face facts. We all got wish lists, right? We all do. There's all kinds of things I want to do. Matter of fact, I have a bathroom right now sitting in my garage. I got sheets of plywood, or not plywood, I got sheets of green board. I've got sheets of drywall. I've got a toilet, tub, and everything else just sitting in my garage right now. We all have wish lists and things that we want to do. God's been good to us, and God's blessed us. I don't care if you get up in the morning, and you got to take nine different types of pills. God gave you another day. God's blessed you. God's given you health in your body. God's given you strength. The Lord's been good to you. I would to God today that we would see the goodness and the blessings of God there's been, some, there's, been, there's been some families in this church in this past year and a half have gone through some things, have suffered some loss. But I've seen the hand of God on the Cox family. I've seen the miracles of God. I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the healing of God in that family. We've been through surgeries this year. But I see the hand of God that you're sitting here today. 
that you're getting around. And every day, God willing, you're going to get around a little bit better than you did before. Hey, man, there were people in this church that love you and were praying for you. Lord, I may not get around like I used to, but praise God, I'm getting around. There's always something we can be thankful for. I would to God here today that we would not become like the children of Israel. Amen. God's been too good to us. God has blessed us. God has given this church favor. Amen. And I'm telling you right now, you mark this day on your calendar. God is about to move this church into the next phase. We have doors that are opening up right now that we're about to take the gospel outside the walls of this church. God is opening up doors, and God is using people in this church. When the devil said it was over for you, God said, I'm just getting started. When the devil said, your ministry's done, God said, I've got a new thing I'm <laughs> take that devil take that I would to God that this church would be a church that when we come in here amen we're ready to enter in through his gates with thanksgiving amen that we take every small victory and we rejoice thank you Jesus thank you Lord for giving me another day to pray thank you Lord for that one tear that was shed Thank you, Lord, for that person that raised their hands that maybe never raised their hands. I don't know. But let us learn in this church to celebrate every victory, to give God glory for everything that He does. Amen. To see the goodness of God in our families, to see the goodness of God in our everyday lives. Amen. And then when we come in here, let it be evident as we proclaim the goodness of God through our worship and through our praise. Amen. Before we close this out today, let me just make this statement. I'm going to tell you what worship is. And, and, and this is how I'm going to be able to tell as your pastor whether or, not you're, whether or not you're thankful for what God's done for you. If you come in here and you sit on that pew like a bump on a log and there's pigeons outside waiting to roost on you, it's because you ain't thankful. You say, well, pastor, how can you say that? I'll tell you how I can say that. Because here's what worship and praise is. Here's what praise is. Praise is the overflow of a heart that's full of thanksgiving. When you realize the goodness of God, your praise is an overflow of thanksgiving. And so when I come in here and I say, oh my goodness, you mean I'm a pastor? How did that happen? But I see the goodness of God in my life. I've been blessed to raise my babies in this truth. I've been blessed that both of my kids are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe things aren't the way I want them to, but God's been good to me, and God's blessed me, and God's been faithful to me. So when I come into the house of the Lord, I can't do anything less than lift my hands. I can't do anything less than shout hallelujah. I can't do anything less than give Him glory and praise because He's been too good to me. And so let me encourage you today, when we come into the house of the Lord, show God just how good He's been to you. Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Give Him thanks for what He's done in your life. In Jesus' name, let's stand all over this house here today. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. Here's how we're going to end this service today. Amen. We're going to end this service not just in prayer. But I'm going to ask everybody, if God's been good to you, and God has blessed you, and you know that through everything, God has been faithful to you, here's how we're going to end here today. I want you, when I say so, I want you to lift your hands. And we're not going to pray for anything. We're just going to give God thanks. Amen. We're going to thank Him for His blessings. We're going to thank Him for His goodness. We're going to thank Him for His hand upon our lives. We're going to thank Him for His hand upon our children. Amen. We're going to enter in through His gates before we leave here with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's end this right now like that. Would you lift your hands to the Lord here today? And would you just begin to thank God for everything He's done for you? Oh, Jesus, we thank You. 
God, we thank You for Your goodness today. We thank You, Lord, that we could be in the house of the Lord today. God, we thank You for what we feel. We thank You for the ministering Spirit of the Holy Ghost. God, we thank You, Lord, because we know that You've been faithful, God, through every circumstance and trial. We thank You, Lord, that You've kept Your hand, God, upon us. We thank You, Lord, for Your touch in our bodies. Hallelujah. We thank You for every healing. We thank You, God, for Your mighty deliverance. We thank You even now, God, for the mighty work that You're doing in our children's lives. We thank You, Lord, and give You glory for every victory. Oh, God, we thank You for every provision, Lord, and every blessing. God, we acknowledge today that every good thing comes down from You. And so we give you glory today. Oh, thank you, Lord, for looking after us. Thank you, Lord, for looking over our finances, God. Thank you, Lord, for your hand, God, upon my children, Lord. For keeping them safe, oh God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your direction every day. I thank you, Lord, for the roof I have over my head and the food in my belly. I thank you, Lord, for my friends and my loved ones. God, I thank you today for everybody that has given me an encouraging word. I thank you, Lord, for everybody that has lifted my name before your throne and prayed for me. I thank you, Lord, for the people of God. I thank you, Lord, for this truth that has set me free. I thank you, Lord, for the liberty, God, that I walk in every day. I thank you, Lord, that I can be led of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for I've been given life and that more abundantly. I thank you, Lord, that you restored me. I thank you, God, that you're restoring my children. I thank you, Lord, that you're restoring my family. I thank you, God, for the mighty works, Lord, that you're doing today. Oh, I thank you, Almighty God, and I give you the glory for it all. Oh, hallelujah. God, help me every day. Make this your prayer this morning. Help me every day, God, to see your blessings. Help me, oh God, I pray to wake up every morning with a heart of thanksgiving. Oh God, help me, I pray, never to take it for granted. But God, let my eyes be open to see all of the good things and all of the blessings that the mighty hand of my God has done for me and done for my family. Jesus, I love you. I love you and I thank you, oh God, today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, take this word with you today. Amen. And I pray in the rest of this week to come that we can be a thankful people. Praise God that you could walk in your house today when you get home and say, thank you, Jesus, for giving me a place to live. Amen. Sister Sharon, when you get up and go to work in the morning, I would pray that you'd say, God, thank you for giving me a place of employment. Thank you for giving me a job. Amen. Amen. I get up in the mornings. I thank God sometimes for my job. I even thank him for my wife's job. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Amen. In Jesus' name today, let's be a thankful people. Amen. 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 What's that? I need to use the Lord. Amen.